It was Saturday afternoon. I'd been in the garden, so I wasn't dressed quite like this. But I remembered something I needed to collect from the vestry, so I came over to church in a bit of a hurry and in a bit of a state. I walked in, and there was a group that was in. Actually, it was the Trinity Orchestra. They were having a practice ready for their concert in the evening. And as I walked into the link area, this very well-dressed lady in black and white already with a, a violin under her arm, I said, excuse me, who do you think you are? Now, it was a good question. It was a good question for two reasons. Firstly, because it showed a certain awareness that not everybody should just be allowed to wander in and out of the church as they felt like it. But secondly, it's a good question because of the question itself. Excuse me, who do you think you are? You know, studies have shown that how we see ourselves determines to a large degree the way that we act and how we react in life. That our self-perception, our self-worth, our self-esteem tends to govern the factors in our lives. If we see ourselves as a loser, then we end up to a large degree in life acting like a loser. If we see ourselves as a victim, then we tend to let others victimize us. If we see ourselves as uncreative, then we never come up with any new ideas. If we see ourselves as a piece of junk, we begin to think that we're garbage. If we see ourselves as successful, then we tend to repeat that success over and over again in our lives. The way we see ourselves determines our behavior. Excuse me, who do you think you are? That's why in the scriptures, God repeatedly tells us who we really are. I'm sure if you can all think for a moment and if you look back in your lives, you will remember people who told you what they thought you were. My uh, art teacher, Miss Green. No, sorry, it wasn't Miss Green, Miss Gordon. Miss Green was another one. Miss Gordon, she said to me, David, you have not got one spark of creativity in your entire being. I give up. And she sent me out of art class with a pot of blue paint and said, go and paint the wall outside. I give up with you. Now, if I believed Miss Gordon, then no creativity would come. Who said what to you? God repeatedly tells us who we are, who we truly are in the pages of Scripture. I need some help. Can you come out the front? Do you mind? Let me see. Look, everybody's got their heads down now. They're like, oh my goodness, just, just stand out the front, that would be great. Please. Okay, would you mind coming out the front? Do you mind? Thank you. Okay, okay, let's see, let's see, let's see. 
They're all going, please, not me. Not me. Do you mind? Okay. And do you mind? Okay, I, I want you to imagine that you are like that lady. I don't know who she was. Give them a good look up and down. Stare at them, right? You, you know when you're on the tube train or on the bus and you people watch and then you catch your eyes of them looking at you and you look at them? Today it's okay. Now, I want you to figure out why did I choose them. Have a good look at them. You guys can have a look, good look at them as well, okay? That's okay. Why? why? Anybody know why did I choose them? One from each church? No. Good, good guess, though. Actually, no. What they've got around their necks? What do they have around their necks? No, no. Good, good guess, though. Why did I choose them? Mirrors the culture of Harrow. No. I, I think the people have spoken. Good guess, though. They're all wearing glasses. No. Sorry? I did only choose one man. Do you know why I chose them? You give up. I didn't really give them a choice whether they were willing to come up. I just said, do you mind? Led by the Holy Spirit. Not even that. Let's have the screens up, can we? I chose them just because. There was no reason. I just went around and I looked and I decided to choose them just in the same way that God chooses us. Thank you very much. You can sit down now. Give them a round of applause. Thank you. Deuteronomy chapter 7, God says, The Lord did not set his affection on you and choose you. This is to the people of Israel. Because you were more numerous than other people. I thought you were going to say they were handsome and beautiful and all these things, you know. They all had more hair than me. You could have got away with that one. But that's not hard. For you were the fewest of all peoples, but it was because the Lord loved you and kept the oath he swore to your ancestors. What is he saying? God is saying, I didn't choose you for any reason. I just chose you just because. Because I chose you. Do you remember when you were in the school playground? Those horrendous lineups for sports teams and things like that. And you're all standing there. Please choose me. Please choose me. You didn't want to be the last one. God chooses us. Look what he says at the start of 1 Peter. Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ. We're going to look at 1 Peter 2.9 in a moment. But look at this at the start of this book. To God's elect, exiles scattered throughout the provinces of Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia, who have been chosen according to the foreknowledge of God. Now, what do these people have in common, those from Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia? 
absolutely nothing except they're chosen by God. Our reading today is this, 1 Peter 2.9. It says, but you are a what? A chosen people. Why did God choose you? Just because he chose you. There is no reason. You're not, more the, you're not the most beautiful person in the whole world. So get that out of the window right now. You're not the most intelligent person. You're not the most academically gifted. You're not the, the best probably at anything in the world. But God, before creation, chose you. He said, this is the person I want. You're a chosen people. Question is, what has he chosen you for? Before I get there, just say to yourself, I am chosen. Say it out loud. I am chosen. Say it again. I am chosen. You know, because there are some people that go through life that are never, ever chosen. They're always the last one. They're always the one that's missed out. They're always the one where there's an odd number on the team in the school playground and it's, no, you sit out. They're always left out. But God says, you know what? I've looked at you and I choose you. Isn't that incredible? God looks at you and says, I choose you. I am chosen. What are we chosen for? Well, we looked at this, if you're from Trinity, last week a little bit. We're chosen to be what? A royal priesthood. Now, what's a priest? What's a priest? Okay, I assume you're all from churches. What's a priest? A leader. What else? Somebody that wears a ridiculous piece of plastic around their neck. What else? A guide? A bridge. Where does that come from? From the Latin. Okay? Literally, a priest means a bridge. Think back to Moses. What was Moses like? Moses there, Exodus 19. Mount Sinai, what happens? God comes down on the mountain. What does he say? Moses, come up here. So Moses goes trekking up the mountain. What does he do? He meets with God. God tells him some stuff. Let me give you the Ten Commandments. What does he have to do with the Ten Commandments? Clamber back down the mountain, give them to the people. People are all serving some golden calf that they've made. He gets a bit... Aggressive, he breaks the Ten Commandments, clambers back up to God. God makes him make a new set, meets with God again, comes back down again. What is he doing? He's going between the people. Exodus 19, he gets the Mosaic Covenant. This is what God's going to do if you obey him. Go tell it to the people. And the people all respond, we're going to do everything God has said. And he takes that message back up to God. A priest is a bridge, a go-between between God and the people. You, the Bible says, are a priest. In 1 Peter 2 verse 5, it says this, You also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, 
offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. Each one of us is a priest. We are a bridge between God and the people, offering spiritual sacrifices. And we haven't got time, but if you read 1 Peter chapter 1, it tells you what those sacrifices are. It says, firstly, the sacrifice of praise in 1 Peter 1, 3 to 12. Then the sacrifice of holiness and then the sacrifice of love. This is what we are to do. We are to serve God as his priests. So that means that where God has placed you, he has chosen you. He has placed you with a group of friends, with family, with work colleagues, with people around you. And you are to be the bridge between God and those people. So the people around you that do not know God, you are to say the word of God into their lives. And say their words that they can't express to God back to God, just as Moses did to the people. We all have that tent of meeting that we can go to. It's called prayer. Where we hear from God And then we pass it on. We're channels of God's grace, channels of God's Spirit to the people around us. And channels of the Spirit of the people around us that don't know God, back into God. That's why we pray for others. That's why we intercede on their behalf. So that we end up being that bridge builder between God and humanity, just as Moses was to the people of Israel. So think about the people around you. Who is it that God is calling you to be a priest for? Who are the people around you where God wants to use you to speak his word into their life and to take their concerns and their worries and their their lies back up to God because they don't know how to do it for themselves? Places of work, friendship, networks, family members. Who is it that you are to be that priest, that bridge for? Because that is one of the reasons why God has chosen you. Put you there like a a light that shines on the people around you. So that you can be that priest for them. Say, I am a priest. Okay, not many of you are priests. You're not convinced, are you? I am a priest. Okay, you don't have to wear this, go through theological training to become a priest. God says you're a priest, so you're a priest. You don't need your denomination to say it. You can go into church next Sunday and say, hey, I'm a priest. And I'm a priest coming to worship. Because that's who you are. That's what God has told us that you are. You're a chosen people, a royal priesthood. What else? You're a holy nation. A holy nation means that we're distinct, that we belong to God. Somebody put it like this. They said, a civilian who accepts the commander-in-chief's commission to serve as a soldier can no longer continue to live as a civilian. The status brings a new way of life, new privileges, and new challenges. Above all, soldiers do not spend time contemplating what authority they recognize, whose orders they will accept or on whose side they will fight. It's the same with us. We have become a holy nation. We have become because God has drawn us together into that nation of people. We've been set apart to show a difference. Pauline mentioned it. 
For we are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Ephesians 2 verse 10. So we've been set apart, joined together as a holy nation so that we might be different, just as the people of Israel were supposed to be different. Their whole vision that was given to them by God of what they should be was to be a nation. That's the blessings and cursings in Deuteronomy 28. They were to be a nation that, that showed how different God was. That God was going to pour out his blessing on them as they were obedient to him. And then all the nations around would look at them and say, hey, how come you're so different? How come God is blessing you? How come you get rain when you need rain and sunshine when you need sunshine? How come you're protected? How come you're blessed and everything is growing within the people? How come even though you're the smallest and the weakest, everything seems to go fantastic? Because you're a holy nation. And because they're a holy nation, God was going to pour his blessing on them. The problem was the people of Israel disobeyed God. And they tended to the cursings rather than the blessings. But the same is true for God's kingdom, the church. We are to be a holy nation together. And as we set ourselves apart, because God has set us apart, as we follow his command, do what he is asking us to do, so then we receive the blessing from God. You're God's workmanship. Created to do good works. Created to do the things of God. And James 1.27 says, Religion that, the, that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless is this. Externally, look after the orphans and the widows. Go and show the love of God to the weakest and the, the most vulnerable in our society. Lift them up, because if you lift them up, you lift everybody up. And keep oneself from being polluted by the world. Look after yourself too. Make sure you are holy as God is holy. Do something external, but allow something internal as well. Be a holy nation. Be different. You know, I wonder, sometimes when I do funerals, and family come up, particularly if it's a, a church member and the family are not believers. And they come up and they give tributes to their family member. Would your life be so different, so in tune with the life of God, that even if a non-believer came and gave a tribute about your life, that they wouldn't but be able to talk about your faith and your life in Christ. That's how different we should be. That, that a non-believer looks at you and says, you know what? I might not agree with him. I might not agree with her. But that is a person of faith. That is a person whose life is different to the other people around me. And it's because of their faith. That is how distinctive we are supposed to be. People should look at us. If you see me, you've seen the Father. If you see us, you see Christ dwelling within us. How different are you? How different am I? Say I'm different. 
We're chosen, we're a priest, and we're different. And lastly, oh, look at this, before we get there. I love this. My, one of my favorite verses in the Old Testament, Zephaniah 3.17, The Lord your God is with you. The mighty warrior who saves you, he will take great delight in you. In his love, he will no longer rebuke you, but he will rejoice over you with singing. You know, when you sing, how many of you sing in the shower or in the bath? Come on, you're in church. Be honest. Okay, right. Let's try that again. Only three people were honest. How many of you, when no one is around... Start singing. When you're happy, you start singing in the shower and in the bath. Not in the bath, in the shower then. Where do you sing? Not in the bath or in the shower. Let's not go there. Right. When you're happy, you sing, don't you? When you're happy, when things are going well, you just, you know, that song gets in your head, you start singing it all day long. Because you're happy. You just want to praise God. You want to thank Him. God says, you know what? He sings over you and me. Why? Because He's happy with us. Because we're His special possession. 1 Peter 2.9. We're His special possession. And when He looks at you, He can't but help start singing over you. He can't help but just take delight in you. Yeah, you're not perfect. But he looks at you and he says, you know what? Hey, this, this is my special son or my special daughter. I, I just look at them and I just love them to bits. And I just, I'm so proud of them. I just start singing over them. You imagine the kind of songs that God sings over you? You know, when you're a parent, one of the greatest joys is to see your child being successful, just being happy, enjoying what they're doing. They go and they play sports and they run around and they have a great time and you see the smile on their, on their little rosy faces at the end of it. And you know they've had fun and they've done their best and they've given their all. And what happens as a parent? It gets you right here. You can't help but smile. You can't help but be joyful in their joy because you see how, how much joy they have. Or when you see a child, you know what happens? Schools. We have a couple of schools that use the church here for their uh, Christmas and, and end of term things. You know what happens when one of their children are up the front getting a reward, an award? There's serious elbowing that goes on between parents so that they can get the right picture. Get out of my way. That's my son. That's my daughter. I'm going to get my picture because I need to show it to the rest of the family. And I'll put it on Facebook until everybody's so fed up with seeing the picture. But I don't care because that's my son or my daughter up there getting an award. They're delighting in what's going on. And God delights in you and in me in the same way. We're his special possession. You're a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession. That's what he thinks about you and me. Why? So that we may declare the praises 
of him who called us out of darkness into his wonderful light. That's why we are what we are. He's chosen us. He said, you're a priest. You're my bridge. I'm going to make you, I'm going to pour my blessing into you as a holy nation. Just follow me. Trust me and allow me to bless you. And we're God's special possession. I love you so much. I delight in you. I sing over you because you're amazing. Let me ask you today, do you believe that? You know, we have so many voices in our heads. So many Miss Gordons who says, you know what? Varco, go paint out there, you're rubbish. You'll never amount to anything. Just, I give up. Go, get out of my sight. There are so many people that say those things to us in life. Who are you going to believe in? We need to remind ourselves daily, I'm chosen, I'm a priest, I'm different, and I'm special. Because that is what God says of you and me. And not just for me, but we can turn to anyone who loves the Lord Jesus and say, you, you're chosen. You're a priest. You're different. You're special. You know, in John 17, Jesus calls on the church to be one, to come to complete unity. This is what brings unity. Labels don't bring unity. Denominations don't bring unity. God brings unity. When we start to believe this, that each one of us, regardless of our backgrounds, is chosen, is a priest, is different, is special because of what God says, then we will be able to energize and move with a power and an authority from God like never before. The choice is ours, I guess, as to which voice you're going to listen to. When those voices in your mind and in your head say, you know what? You're a loser or you're a victim. You haven't got any creativity in your entire being. You're junk. Are you going to listen to them? Or are you going to say no? No, I'm not. Because I am chosen. I've been given a job to do by God because he trusts me. I'm a priest. I'm different because I'm going to walk with him. Because I am his special possession. When we truly know that in our lives, it transforms us. And it gives us such a freedom to be who God created us to be. That we can give him all the praise and all the glory. Let us pray. Lord, thank you that each one of us, each one of us has been chosen by you. Thank you, Lord, that we have been chosen to be priests. 
chosen to be part of a, a royal nation, a holy nation, a nation that is different. And Lord, we are your special possession. You sing over us, you cherish us, you, you hold us carefully in your hands as a, as a most treasured possession that brings you happiness and joy. That is who we are in Christ. Lord, I ask today that if there is anyone here that has a different voice speaking into their hearts and into their lives, that today you would remove that voice and that you would remind them and keep on reminding them of who they are in you. Chosen priests. Holy nation. Treasured possession. For that is who we are. In the name of Christ. Amen.